Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, is, any, is there anybody here that kind of likes to get together with friends or family, you know, around a meal and share some conversation? Anybody like to do that? Yeah, I thought. You know, you, all the rest of you guys that didn't raise your hand, you're just being shy, you know. But uh, yes, food and friends and getting together, you know, always a good time. And we get together really around food for many reasons. You know, it could be, you know, just a work gathering and just have some food as part of that or maybe a church, uh, you know, some sort of church outing or church function. Or, of course, with family and friends marking, you know, special days like birthdays or, or, uh, or anniversaries or getting together maybe around the holidays. Whatever the reason that we might get together, it is good to gather to share conversation, even to, to learn from one another. And food doesn't hurt, you know, to do that. Well, that's kind of what's happening in our text, our gospel lesson for today. You have a ruler of the Pharisees. Now, that's somebody that's in a very high position in the, as a religious, kind of a religious elite. You know, it's on a Sabbath, and he's getting some people together. Now, you might be surprised of who is attending. What I pray today is that we are blessed and also encouraged in this dinner conversation. Have you guessed already who's coming to dinner? Well, our gospel lesson begins, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Who's coming to dinner? Jesus. Now, it's not unique for Jesus to, you know, to go to people's places and gather around and share a meal. You know, Luke mentions many times that Jesus is doing just that. And gathering together on the Sabbath is also not unique, kind of like what we do. You know what, sometimes I bet you some of you might, uh, after church today, might be going together with some friends and gathering after the church service and going to breakfast, you know, gathering together at a breakfast place. Or you might be inviting some people over to your house after church or early this afternoon uh, for dinner. Yet, it is a little strange here, one, that Jesus was invited to this meal by a ruler of the Pharisees, and actually, two, that he accepted. You might know that the relationship between the Pharisees and Jesus, you know, to be kind, was really rocky at best. Jesus often spoke against the Pharisees and what they're doing, their teachings, and he had always stirred up a lot of conflict among the Pharisees, healing on the Sabbath. Yet Jesus came, even though he knows that full well that the intent, of the, the intent of this invitation, this was just a setup. This was just another attempt to trap Jesus into action that later they could use against him. As our text says, they were watching Jesus carefully. Their goal in time is to get rid of him, to have him arrested, tried, convicted, even put to death. This man would never be there. Oh, there's also some other surprise person here at the banquet. As Jesus is entering in, it says in verse 2, 
And behold, there was a man before him who was suffering with dropsy. Now, dropsy is a disease. Sometimes we might, I'm not a medical expert, but I found out it's also called edema. Does that make sense to anybody? It's like a, a buildup of fluids in your body that might cause from some sort of heart condition, maybe problem with your liver or your kidneys. This man would have never been invited to the Pharisee's home for a dinner. To have disease in the time of Jesus, you'd look on as you'd be an outcast. That somehow you were you know, not pleasing God in some way. You couldn't enter the synagogue, and certainly you would not be here. The Pharisees really did not care about this man. They were just using him to trap Jesus. Would he heal or wouldn't he? Well, Jesus, knowing their hearts, first challenges you know, their use of the law, he asked them, you know, is it, uh, is it okay, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? He's really testing him. You know, he's really almost putting it to them. You know, if it was you and you could heal, would you help out this man? Jesus was teaching them what law in the kingdom of God is about. He then goes to the man and he heals him. After he drove out, and afterward he drove this, his point home, he says, you know, which one of you, let's say if, you had, if your son or your ox, you know, fell into, you know, had fallen into some sort of pit during the, the Sabbath, would you have helped them? Of course they would. They knew that in their hearts, even though they did not answer. They would do something on the Sabbath that was for their own benefit, but of course, he would accuse anybody else that was doing the same thing for someone else. Jesus didn't have to accept this invitation, but he did. Why? Why would he accept this invitation? Because of his love for the Pharisees. He was trying to teach them. He was trying to show them that they were stepping away from the intent of the law. The law is summed up, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is asking them, is it lawful to love your neighbor? Is it awful lawful to care for your neighbor on the Sabbath? But in their silence to his questions, their, their answer clearly is no. For the Pharisees, the tradition of man has become more important than the people. Rules dominated relationship. Keeping order was more important than loving others. But Jesus and his love for his own enemies continues to show and teach them that God, what God's law is, love one another. In one of the devotional things that I received during the week, I found a, it was an interesting illustration that was sent. It had love one another, and it was listed 13 times, right down in a column like that, because there's 13 times in Scripture that love one another is directly, you know, given. That command is directly given, and has all the text on the other side, you know. So here's the love one another, and here are the text. And after that, a little question was there. Do you think there's a message here? There's a message here. Love one another. That is Jesus' lesson number one for, his, for the Pharisees and also for us. And lesson number two, as the text continues, is practice humility. 
what Jesus knew is that the Pharisees were all about themselves. As they, as they were given, gathering for dinner, it, uh, it says in our text, Jesus noticed how they chose places of honor. Now, typically, now it's not always the same, but typically, um, if someone is sitting or a dinner is going to be presented to a group, what they do is they have these low tables about six inches off the ground. People usually sat on cushions, not on chairs. And it would be like in a U shape. You know, similar, you had the back, we're all, you know, here they got two sides going out like this. And the host would be in the middle of that bottom of the U. The most important person would be directly to his right. The next most important person that would be honored, you know, second, would be on his left. On the sides then, the order of uh, importance kind of goes as uh, how, how far away or how close you are to the host. So you kind of work your way along the sides there. The ones that are closest to the host are honored, most honored. And then as you go along, they're the least honored at the end. You can think of it kind of like a wedding situation, right? He talks about a wedding, a parable of the wedding here. You think about a wedding, right? You have the bride and the groom. Well, who are the most honored people uh, next, are the ones right next to the bride and the groom, right? The maid or matron of honor and the best man. And then next to them, they're so close, right? They're the closest. And as you get a little bit cl- farther down, you got all the groom's men and the bridesmaids, right? So they're close. And then if you're not on the table, the tables that are in front of the main table, that would be where all the family's sitting, right? They're the next honored. And if they had very close friends, etc., they would probably be very close to the you know, the tables of the relatives that are there, the family that's there. Well, in our text, the Pharisees were jockeying for the best seat. Their whole mentality was, I want to do what is best for me, and I don't care really what happens to anyone else. It's all about me. So Jesus says, if you want to be honored, don't take the best seat, but take the, one, the, you know, the least best. If you want to honor yourself, take the one... Uh, you know, a place that's lower. Because if you take that lower place, then when the host sees you there, he'll say, hey, come up and take one that is closer to the host. Take a place of honor. If you humble yourself and take that lowest position, then you'll be promoted. Now, Jesus wasn't just giving a lesson here in table manners. He's not just implying a to-do list to secure God's grace and end up in that first seat. Notice that this is a parable, and a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. Jesus is using the story about setting the seating at the wedding feast to explain life in the kingdom. The parable here is truly about the one who humbled himself, who was later to be exalted. The one who made himself last to be later recognized first. Notice notice also also the one that emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant to be exalted by the Father to be placed in the highest place. We read in Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 11, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset, uh, mindset as Christ Jesus, who being a very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. As Paul in Philippians tells us, to live in the kingdom of God is to have the mindset of Jesus to humble ourselves. And to be humble is to, be, to, to empty ourselves so that we can then be filled with our Lord's gifts. It's in humbleness that we are blessed. Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to the Lord's banquet? We are. Our host and our Savior, Jesus Christ, not only invites us to the wedding feast of the Lamb, but he puts us in the place of honor. When we are humbled in our sinfulness, we have to admit that we don't deserve to be even at the table. It's only by God's mercy. We take the lowest seat, knowing what we deserve. But this then allows us to respond with joy when Jesus, as our host, taps us on the shoulder and says, what are you doing down there? Come up. Come up and sit by me. We can never pay back God for what he's done for us. But since God has invited us, we have a great privilege, a privilege to go and invite others as God works through us. Guess who is joining us at the Feast of the Lamb? The outcast, the downtrodden, the spiritually blind, those in need. Jesus teaches the Pharisees and us today that we can all stop trying to make ourselves seem more important than we really are. Jesus teaches us in the kingdom, we are simultaneously guest and host. God's desire, as we know, is that all men come to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We know that God's desire is that all people will know what his love is all about. It's through a humble view of ourselves that then we can respond in inviting others to the banquet of our Lord. Our text ends. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid in the resurrection of the just. Now this isn't, you know, don't do this, but do this. They're not exclusive. Jesus isn't saying that you can't have a gathering of friends and family. You know, look at he, what he did. He often gathered with friends and, and others that he brought around him. He isn't opposed to that. His point is that it's much better to host those who can never pay you back. But this is hard. We have to recognize our sinful prejudices and our quickness to judge others. It's, it is so true that we, including myself, often look upon others and we close the door to them because of things like the color of their skin or, or tattoos or dirty and tattered clothes or, or homelessness. But this judgment of others flows out of a sinful pride when we start seeing ourselves as better than someone else. In those times, we have to remember that we are the poor. We are the crippled. We are the lame. We're the blind. We're the outcast. 
That's where we were. No better and no worse than those we often judge. Those we at times that, look down, that we look down upon are the ones that Jesus wants sitting next to him in that heavenly banquet. And we are the ones that are blessed that he uses to go to them, to show compassion, to show care so that they will know what God's love is all about. Guess who's coming to dinner? Jesus has come to set before us a feast of the Lamb. Jesus has prepared for us a place at his very table. He humbled himself to go to a cross and die in our stead and then rose again for our salvation. Think of that. Think of the mercy that we have. Think that he gives us a place of honor next to him. And then, as we are humbled, in that humbleness, he calls us to reach out in love to others that they too may be guests at his table. May it be so, in Jesus' name, amen.